Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Caffeinate for April the 30th. My name is Samuel Adams, and I hope that you are doing well on this Monday morning, or if you're listening to it later on a podcast service or via VOD. Uh, Number one, thanks for checking it out. Number two, I hope you're having a fantastic day, regardless of whatever day of the week that it is. Uh, But this is Caffeinate, my morning show that I do every single weekday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time, right here on uh, twitch.tv slash caffeinate TV. On top of that, YouTube.com slash Samuel Adams Media, and on top of that, Mixer.com slash Samuel Adams. And one of the highlights of my morning is jumping in, starting to talk about the hottest gaming news, and on top of that, talking to people in the chat like Razm right now, who says, hey Samuel, how's it going? It is going fantastic, my friend. I, um... Uh, since we have a couple of news stories today, a little bit, little bit less than the normal episode of Cabinate, uh, I feel like I can, I can kind of branch out and <clears throat> talk about a couple of other things. Excuse me. Uh, but number one, took a day off from streaming yesterday. Of course, I don't do Cabinate on the weekends, so I was able to kind of take a step back, take a breather, kind of get a broader scope of what I've got coming up over the course of the next couple of months as far as content creation goes. We've got some good things coming down the pipe for you, ladies and gentlemen. Get ready for it because it's going to hit you like a truck hits a brick wall. It's going to be a great summer. Uh, so that's going to be some exciting stuff. On top of that, uh, I was also able to kind of uh, look back and see what was going on with uh, with, uh, with other episodes of Caffeinate. Uh, so it's going to be a pretty awesome week, I believe, uh, making a couple of changes in the way that I do the show, so it's going to be pretty good. But, um... For those that are here for the gaming news of the morning, I think we should go ahead and jump into that. Uh, but again, thank you for being here, and thank you for taking the time to check out what I am bringing to the table. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic ride. First off, I need to plug in this cable. Hold on, like I said, fantastic ride. Beautiful professionalism at its finest. Uh, for those that are listening to the to, to the show via podcast form, you know sometimes whenever you're playing God of War, you just forget to plug the cable back in after you finish, and then and then your computer doesn't have any kind of any kind of you know output or anything like that. It's beautiful. It's great. Uh, anyways, the first uh, story of the morning comes to us from Destructoid. Uh, arrests are made as PUBG continues aggressive anti-cheating efforts. This is a big big story uh, because of the way that our society has been. Kind of shifting over the course of the past couple of years uh, as more and more people are getting online as more and more people are playing games as more and more are experiencing what the internet has to offer there are going to be more stories like this mark my words uh, over $5 million in fines handed out. All, over on the official Steam page for Battle Royale Pioneer ba- uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, a community update reports that arrests have been made as part of developer Bluehole's continuing efforts to crack down on in-game hacking and or cheating. In the statement, PUBG Corp reiterates uh, their ongoing promise to impose severe penalties to groups who create unauthorized coding tools and hacking programs for the popular MMO shooter, going as far as to name some of the 15 suspects who have recently been arrested and fined for doing so. 15 major suspects Suspects, including, and then they are listed there, uh, were arrested for developing hack programs, hosting marketplaces for hack programs, and brokering transactions, reads a statement from local investigative uh, authorities. Uh, currently, the suspects have been investigated, or well, excuse me, currently the suspects have been fined appropriately. Approximately, excuse me, 30 million RMB or 5.1 million USD. Other suspects related to the case are still being investigated. That's a pretty major thing there. 
Uh, that's a lot of moolah to pay up for enabling players to win rounds in a video game. No doubt Blue Holes, Microsoft, and other uh, parties investigated, invested excuse me, in PUBG's success are hoping that the serious repercussions will prevent further groups from creating and selling their own break, uh, game-breaking software. PUBG Corp goes on to state that more often than not, cheating software comes loaded with Trojans and other viruses and encourages the PUBG community not to download any unofficial programs related to the game. You can read the full statement in the link below. Uh, but I think we got the gist of it this morning. So, um... This is a big, big deal. Uh, of course, for some reason, uh, people think that it is okay and that it's acceptable to cheat in an online video game. Let me make it very clear that it is not, especially in today's day and age, because we have things like this that are going on. You could literally get arrested for cheating in a video game. Now, of course, you're not going to be in prison for 30 years yet. You are going to be going to some kind of camp yet. You know, I'm no, I'm just messing, but... um. You know, it's a serious deal. People don't understand how big of a deal it is because it seems like something that's so small and so trivial. You, know, you, you think, you know, the police have better things to do than come get me a man who is creating an aimbot for PUBG. No, apparently you literally are going to be kind of, you know, in a big, big uh, mess of trouble if you do end up creating these or distributing these hacking and cheating exploits. It's a bad situation if you find yourself in it. So, uh, the one thing I can encourage people to do is just enjoy the game. If you're not good at the game, then get better at the game. Get good. Don't buy any kind of hacking software. Don't buy any kind of cheating software. It's not worth it because if you get caught doing that stuff, then you're, you know, you never know what this could actually be on your record. Now imagine going into a job interview, sitting down and somebody saying, I see that you've been in trouble with the, uh, with the cops before. Can you explain some more on that situation? Can you expound upon why, uh, you were, you were in jail for a couple of days? Well, sir, you see, I was playing PUBG and, uh, and, and they, and they had this software that, that allowed you to get this aimbot, and I got headshots across the map, and, and then the police came and raided my home. It's like, you don't want to have to have this conversation, okay? When it comes down to it, you truly, truly don't want to have this conversation. So, uh, for those that are cheating in PUBG, stop. For those that are thinking about cheating in PUBG, don't. Uh, for those that are thinking about cheating in any kind of way, shape, or form in your life, I would recommend not doing that. Uh, you know, it, it's, it just it tends to go that if you if you... You know, live your life and you try really hard and you do your best. Chances are you're going to make it. You don't have to cheat or hack. Uh, so, um, with that being said, some people are so bad at PUBG, you just need some help. <laughs> uh, but no, seriously, don't do that. Uh, yeah, so $5 million handed out in fines. Big deal. Um, you know, I have mixed efforts. Yeah, it's an embarrassing arrest story. I have mixed feelings about this entire thing, you know, where I, I understand where Blue Hole and Microsoft are coming from. I understand, you know, what's going on with PUBG Corp and all that, where they're just trying to crack down on the excessive hacking uh, that can go on in the game. But still, it's a video game, you know. Let's all take a step back. It is just a video game. So, um, you know, like I said, mixed emotions. Let me know what you think in the comment section down below in the chat or in uh, the, the Twitter form via at, Twitter, uh, at Pretty Chill Guy. I would love to hear what you got to say about that. But moving on to the next story. Shadow of the Tomb Raider offers early access with select editions. Uh, this is coming to us from Game Rant's Andy Cortez. Got a lot of Game Rant news this morning. Uh, Lara Croft has proven herself time and again as a formidable heroine and her 2013 reboot sparked a new flame among fans old and new. 
Now, Shadow of the Tomb Raider is in our midst, and Lara's story continues in what looks like to be the Tomb Raider's most enigmatic story yet. Uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider dropped its trail- trailer recently, and in it, Lady Croft finds herself attempting to prevent the end of the world at the hands of a Mayan apocalypse. Fans have more to chew on than just a trailer, however, as several versions of the game have come to light with each edition building off the previous one. The newest details come from Tomb Raider's official Twitter, which revealed what players can expect from the four different editions as well as the season pass. The most prevalent offer is that players will pre-order their, uh, to receive receive a skills booster pack, and those who pre-order any special edition of the game will receive 48-hour early access. Notably, a soundtrack of the game will be included with each variant except for the standard version. Uh, and then there's the uh, the details and whatnot. Fans who are looking for more than just the base game have a good deal of selection, as the other versions of the game will include digital as well as physical goods. Uh, the digital deluxe edition includes the base game, 48-hour early access, additional weapon and outfit, and an original game soundtrack. The Croft edition includes the base game, 48-hour season, uh, and uh, all the other stuff on top of the season pass, and three additional weapons and outfits, uh, you know, and the and the soundtrack, as we said. And the ultimate edition includes everything in the Croft edition, which is, you know, again, a, a good hunk of stuff. A physical statue, a flashlight, and a bottle opener. God, why? Why or why? I don't need a I don't need a Tomb Raider bottle opener, dude. While the different versions are filled to the brim with offerings, players not interested beyond the Croft edition will be happy to hear that the season pass off also offers a bevy of DLC. It includes quote seven challenge tombs, seven weapons, seven outfits, seven skills, and multiple narrative side missions. Indeed, indeed. Uh, for new Xbox owners that are intrigued with the upcoming game, its predecessor, Rise of the Tomb Raider, is currently available for Games Pass, which is Microsoft's slash Xbox's uh, big Netflix-esque kind of game download service. It's pretty cool, I must say, if you are into the Xbox universe. Uh, and then, of course, you can uh, kind of get a gist of what you can expect from Lara Croft's newest journey. All in all, Lara's history t- uh, stretches far and wide, and it's good to see the developers are still offering a hefty amount of riches to appeal to longtime fans. With retailers having their own exclusive promotional content, fans ought to keep a lookout and see if their favorite retailers have any exclusives of their own. Shadow of the Tomb Raider will release for PC, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One on September the 14th, 2018. Uh, Razm in the chat says, she looks much better than newer games, much newer graphics. Yes, indeed. Uh, she looks fantastic in all of the new games. Um, I want to start off my kind of, you know, feedback from this by saying if you haven't played the newest Tomb Raider games, highly recommend it. They are fantastic games. Uh, the one thing that they do very well over at, I believe it's developed by From Software. I could be wrong about that. Uh, but the development team does very well in making sure that you don't have to play the older games to play the newer games. Of course, there are small nuances. Uh, there are small little, little tidbits here and there that do improve and, and, and become more valuable if you do end up, you know, playing the older games. But when it comes down to it, you really don't have to play the older games. You can just jump right in, enjoy the journey, and and see what Lara Croft is up to in her newest iteration. Uh, and, of course, the games all look beautiful. So I would highly recommend checking them out. But um, Rise of the Tomb Raider is certainly shaping itself up to be one of the biggest games of the fall, I would say. I think it's going to be one of the biggest adventure games of the fall. I'm not entirely sure uh, if it's going to be the number one game, of course, because certainly doesn't appeal to everybody, and not everybody loves Tomb Raider, uh, but in the absence of an Uncharted game, because, you know, last year we had Uncharted, the, um, the Lost, ooh, ooh, what was the name of that Uncharted game? Hold on, Uncharted for, uh, The Lost Legacy, there we go. Uh, we had Uncharted for The Lost Legacy last year, so that was kind of the, the adventure, uh, itch being scratched, so to speak. So now we have a Tomb Raider game that is going to be a fully fleshed out experience with, you know, Mayan apocalypses and all of that, all of that hardcore end of the world stuff that everybody loves so much. So that's going to be a big one this fall. I'm excited to see what goes on with that, but, um, 
I also wanted to address the fact that there is 48 hour early access. I feel like that's going to be, that's going to be a, a thing that people are going to be seeing more and more. Uh, but it's also something that is mildly irritating to me. And this is just my two cents. This is just my opinion here. You know, this is just what I've got going on. Uh, so this is just something I want to say to the side. Uh, whenever you have 48 hour early access, I feel cheated. I feel like you should just put the game out there for everybody to enjoy. Because if you put it out there two days early, do you know how many spoilers are going to leak? Do you know how much of the internet I'm going to have to avoid to ensure that I get an awesome experience? Do you do you know what I'm saying here? Like, more and more people are just going to be like, yep, Lara gets eaten by a lion. And then I'm going to be like, well, you know, I would never... What? How? And I just don't want... I don't want to experience that. But, um... To jump back into the chat, it becomes so much of a survival game, at least from the first new game. It is a little bit more survivally. And also, Boss in the YouTube chat says, Wubba-lub-dub-dub. Wubba-dub-a-lub-bub. There you go. Uh, hey, boss. How's it going, man? Um, so it's definitely a different kind of game. It's not your old classic Tomb Raider, but I do love it. Uh, I'm excited to play it, and I probably will give this one a rent before I buy it because it seems to me uh, that the newest Tomb Raider games are the ones that you jump right into it and you just kind of um, and you just kind of experience it one time, and then it's a, it's a one and done kind of situation. I don't really want to go back and collect all the stuff, though you can. It's very much so like an uncharted game. Uh, in the chat, Sean says, "Yo, yo, yo! It's the one and only Samuel Adams. Indeed, it is, my friend. Indeed, it is." Uh, yes, the Infinity War spoilers are another example of what's going on whenever you jump onto the internet and you see uh, that there is just this this plethora of information available about something that you don't want a plethora of information about. So, um, exa- exactly, exactly. Uh, so I will probably be avoiding a lot of the um, a lot of the Tomb Raider discussions because there's going to be this 48 hour early access. I wish less games would do that, but again, I understand the draw of of people jumping in and experiencing that early, and I understand that that's going to definitely drive some sales of the other editions of the game. So I can't really complain, you know. Uh, yeah, just stay away from the internet when anything else comes out. It's a big pain. It truly, truly is. Uh, but the DLC sounds pretty, pretty beefy. I don't know what the actual cost of the of the DLC itself is, but it includes seven challenges, seven weapons, seven outfits, seven skills, and multiple narrative side missions. So, of course, you know the beefier the the lore gets, the, I, I need that beefy lore in my life. Okay, so um, so yeah, hopefully that'll be a pretty good, pretty good little little DLC pack there, a little, little bit of a season pass. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about this. September the 14th, if you want to jump in, or if you get the newer editions, September the 12th. Uh, yeah, I probably won't be doing that. Anyways, moving along to the next story, coming to us from VG247, H1Z1 Dev Daybreak announces layoffs after apparent ties to Russian oligarch surface. Um... This is a rumor that I covered earlier in earlier in uh, you know a previous episode of Caffeinate last week. I think it was around Thursday or Friday. I might have even talked about Friday. Uh, but there were rumors of Daybreak having layoffs, and so now more details have emerged, and we have confirmation uh, that there are going to be layoffs. It's been a hell of a week for H1Z1 and Planet Side Two developer Daybreak Games. For the record, this was written on Friday, uh, but I have a feeling this is going to be a hell of a week as well. It all started earlier this week when the U.S. government froze assets owned by several Russian oligarchs to be involved in, quote, destabilizing activities in the U.S., most notable of which is interference with the country's 2016 elections. Victor Vexlerberg, nice, one of the businessmen targeted by these sanctions, owns Renova Group, a subsidiary of which is Columbus Nova, a company long believed to be the owner of Daybreak. It has long been reported that Daybreak's parent company is Columbus Nova, which bought it off Sony when the latter sold it in 2015. 
Uh, following a report from Massively OP, Daybreak released a statement denying any affiliation with Columbus Nova. Instead, the company says that its owner, Jason Epstein, is a, quote, former member of Columbus Nova. Jason Epstein, former member of Columbus Nova, is and has always been the primary owner and executive chairman of Daybreak Game Company, formerly Sony Online Entertainment, which he acquired from Sony in February of 2015, said Daybreak. The company, the statement is bizarre to say the least because former president John Smedley specifically mentions Columbus Nova as the investment firm that acquired Daybreak, formerly Sony Online Entertainment, back in 2015. Ooh, man, this is getting rough. However, according to Daybreak, the initial 2015 announcement had some errors, most notably pertaining to Columbus Nova's involvement. It was current executive chairman Jason Epstein, former senior managing partner of Columbus Nova that acquired Daybreak, not Columbus Nova itself. Uh, That distinction was never corrected in the past, so we are correcting that now, the company said in a follow-up statement. You expect me to believe that the original press release is no longer available on Daybreak's website, but Twitter user at DKTanic managed to find references to Columbus Nova and Daybreak's privacy policy, which has also been removed from its website. In the document, Daybreak refers to CN as its parent company. That document was updated in 2015 at the time of Daybreak's acquisition. Uh, two days after these allegations surfaced, Daybreak announced big layoffs. The company did not give an exact number for how many were affected, but it looks like studio veterans and other in major disciplines have been let go. The studio's brand manager, Rye Schuler, operational engineering manager, Steve Melton, and community manager, Jay Goldberg, among others, have been hit. Uh, Daybreak responded to the news about layoffs, calling it, quote, workforce realigning. This is just a really bad, bad way to spin this story. I'm, I'm sorry, this is just a really, really bad way. It's... You, you can't you can't do this kind of thing whenever you're talking about you're literally number one layoffs are not something that you that you address in a cold-hearted like company-esque kind of way that makes you look really bad and of course public image is not what's important here but if you are looking at it from a corporate standpoint this is not how you how you approach this number one uh, number two uh, to deny that you were you were a you know a, a subsidiary of a parent company uh, that is being investigated or being attacked or whatever you want to call it by the U.S. government for interfering with politics and the U.S. elections. You don't just separate yourself from something, okay? You don't just disown like you've you've said that you're part of Columbus Nova before. That means you're still part of Columbus Nova. I don't understand. Uh, but uh, Daybreak confirms we are realigning our workforce to better position our company for the future. Because of this, we have had to make an extremely difficult decision to part ways with some of our employees across various disciplines at the studio. Uh, we are doing everything we can to take care of each affected individual by providing them appropriate transition assistance, the company said in a statement. Uh, you know, go on, go on. Daybreak has only just announced a PS4 version of H1Z1, an open beta of which is due to start on May the 22nd. Though these may not look like actions of a company ready to release a game on a new platform, there's always the chance the PS4 release itself was sort of a last-ditch effort to get things back on track. That's exactly what's happening. As we've seen with the recent shutdown of Marvel Heroes developer Gazillion Entertainment, releasing a new version of a game may not be enough to ward off closure. It's no secret that H1Z1 has waned in popularity since the release of PUBG. Its main competitor, H1Z1, had at one point attracted over 200,000 concurrent players daily, a far cry from its current about 7,000 players despite going free to play. Uh, this is this is a, a bit much. This, this is a bit much. Uh, so what we've got here is a company who is struggling with its identity, okay? Uh, you are trying to figure out how you can spin H1Z1 to better appeal to a giant crowd. Uh, first, you release Auto Royale, which is essentially a car spin and a car take on the Battle Royale scene, which has not gone over very well at all, despite paying streamers to actually play it. Uh, it is one of those games where uh, you have a lot of issues with with trying to... With trying to, um, you know, really make it 
feel appealing in light of PUBG and Fortnite. You you can't make this game fun whenever you have so many other games doing it right. Uh, on top of that, the the connections to Russian you know ties and all of that stuff, it's starting to sound like American politics. It's just one of those things where the company sounds shady. When a company sounds shady, no one wants to get behind it. Uh, and it's just one of those things where it makes it a little bit difficult, it makes it a little bit complex, and so when you have all these different elements coming in, it's just time to kind of throw in the towel, which is what they're doing with H1Z1 on PS4. Whenever the game comes out on PS4, that's when we're going to see if the company is going to be able to survive or if the company is going to fold and call it quits and then we'll just see what happens with the guys over at Daybreak. Uh, if this PS4 version of the game is not successful, this is the end of Daybreak. 150%. Planet Side 2 was fantastic. It kind of began declining in popularity over time. Uh, H1Z1 was the king. It was the king of the kill, so to speak. Uh, but then PUBG came out and it just kind of like went down. And it's just one of those things where there are issues. But in the chat over on YouTube, uh, Boss says, by the time they prove it, fact that they had a hand in the election, it's going to be time to elect a new president. Indeed. Indeed. I could not agree more, actually, surprisingly enough. Uh, CRP Racer says, sup. Sup, my dude. Sup. But, uh, yeah, so that's what's going on with Daybreak. That's what's going on with H1Z1. I have a, uh, a bad feeling about what's going to what's going to happen with the future of Daybreak. I don't think it's going to be around by 2019. I truly don't. Uh, if if Daybreak is at, is around at the end of 2018, then that means that H1Z1 did incredibly well on the PS4. And whenever you have Fortnite available for free to play, as I said last week, why would you try H1Z1? Uh, well, let's back up. You would try H1Z1, but why would you stick around in H1Z1? That's essentially what I'm trying to say here. So, um, you know, we'll see what goes on with it. But I don't think that Daybreak is going to be around much longer. Moving along to the next story coming to us from Gamatsura. Nintendo still has plans for the 3DS through 2019 and beyond. Interesting story here. Following earlier conversations about the role that the 3DS would play in a post-Switch industry, Nintendo now says that it has plans to support the 3DS into and beyond 2019. Currently, the seven-year-old handheld platform has sold 72 million units across its various models, and Nintendo says it plans to continue to leverage that install base in the coming years. During a presentation to investors, Nintendo President Tatsumi Kimi Shama, Kimishimi, Kimishama, ooh, man, that's a rough one, Tatsumi, uh, said that the company is still looking at ways it can drive hardware and software sales, nothing that Nintendo is currently, quote, preparing new software for release in 2019 and beyond. Right now, the company has a handful of games like Captain Toad Treasure Tracker, WarioWare Gold, and Luigi's Mansion release uh, due, for out, due out for the system in 2018. Uh, with Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story and Bowser Jr.'s Journey slated for a 2019 release. Uh, Kimishimi, God, man, it's a rough one. Kimi, Kimi Shima nailed it. Also notes that the 3DS has a library of over 1,000 games between both digital and physical releases that Nintendo is currently looking at ways to drive both hardware and software sales going forward. We will continue the Nintendo 3DS business by leveraging its install base with a rich software library, uh, said Kimishima. Nailed it. We believe it is important to leverage the rich library of Nintendo 3DS titles to drive sales with existing Nintendo 3DS owners as well as with consumers who recently purchased the 3DS hardware and are investigating strategies for doing so. Earlier this year, Nintendo leadership addressed concerns about how the 3DS would fit into its company. Uh, following the Switch's success, since the portable nature of the Switch gave it some kind of you know little overlap with Nintendo's own dedicated handheld system. At the time, Kimishimi, God, man, that guy noted that the 3DS was still profitable and expressed hopes that, quote, consumers will embrace it together with the Nintendo Switch, something that now looks to be reflected in the company's release calendar. Uh, it's going to be an interesting day, to say the least. 
going back to the Daybreak story briefly, uh, Boss says Daybreak should just stop trying to keep up with PUBG and Fortnite and go back and fix Just Survive and improve that. 100% agreed. I might make a video on that later on. I agree completely. Uh, but back to the 3DS thing here. It's cool to see that the 3DS is definitely going to see some support going on throughout 2019 and, and subsequent years because the 3DS single-handedly kept Nintendo alive during the Wii U life cycle. Okay, the the 3DS is what made Nintendo into the Nintendo that we have today in 2018. Uh, without the 3DS and the 2DS and the 2DS XL and all that stuff that we have going on, or the 2DS, whatever it is, um, you know, the big folding one, I think it's the 2DS XL, uh, whatever it may be, the fact that the 3DS existed was what saved Nintendo. If it had just been the Wii U and maybe the DS Lite, the company probably would have folded. I don't know exactly what the back end of all that looks like, but it is... Um, it is just a very difficult time whenever you look back on the Wii U generation. And so with the 3DS, it was able to successfully get enough money to create the Switch. It was able to successfully support itself and and, and with minimal changes in the way that the company was run. Uh, so that's, uh, that's one of those things where you almost feel compelled to keep it going because 72 million units uh, is not anything to shake a stick at. That's a pretty big number. And a lot of people have a 3DS. A lot of people love the 3DS. Um, and it's one of those things where it plays Pokemon. It plays a whole bunch of other games. It plays, you know, the classic Mario, Luigi, Yoshi, Kirby, all of these games are already over there on the 3DS, and they're genuinely good experiences, and with more coming down the pipe, uh, there's no reason to stop supporting the 3DS, and I would not even be shocked to see a brand new version of the 3DS at some point. If it, Even if it's only just a new color scheme or something like that, I could very easily see uh, there being a brand new version of the 2DS XL or whatever it may be. Um, you know, that, that would be an interesting one to see. The 2DS XLI Lite? Hmm? Hmm? But, uh, <laughs> but we'll have to see. Uh, but yes, uh, throughout that mix uh, of completely devastating Japanese names, uh, I believe that we can gather that there is going to be a couple of uh, a couple of interesting twists and turns in the life of the 3DS from here on out. So I'm excited to see what goes down with that. Uh, but with over 1,000 games, I mean, it's totally worth investing, even if you can get one secondhand for around, I think I can get one for around 60 bucks today. You know, if you go online to eBay or you go to your local gaming store and you find one that has been used and you just go ahead and buy it you know it might have a scratch or whatever on the surface but you can get a lot of awesome gameplay uh through the 3ds and that's coming from somebody who has had one i had the original one uh, and then i bought a i think i bought a 3ds new 3ds xl and then i bought the um and then I bought the Switch, and that's pretty much like my my history with the 3DS slash Switch kind of thing. Uh, but that's all beside the point. Give it a shot, see what you like. But, uh, you know, if you buy one now, you're not going to be short of anything to play for quite a while. It's going to be pretty cool. Uh, this next story comes to us from Game Rant. New study finds today's gamers break the stereotypes. Uh, pretty exciting stuff here. For decades, gamers have often been stereotyped as being antisocial, overweight, having no ambition, and living in their mother's basements while playing video games all day. A recent study by Alienware and Dell Gaming has found that gamers are, in fact, the exact opposite of the negative stereotypes associated with them, and that today's gamers break these negative stereotypes. Alienware and Dell Gaming surveyed gamers in 11 countries and found that, firstly, today's average gamer is not a teenager living with their parents, but that the average gamer has a job and a family and is often an active member in their community. In addition to that, because gaming has grown so much across the globe, today's gamers are more accepting of others, especially in terms of ethnicity, political views, and sexual orientation. The study also revealed that where being a gamer was perceived as negative in the past, with terms such as, quote, nerd and geek being used to describe gamers, today being called a gamer is perceived as positive. Today's gamers are often described as being, quote, cool, fun, and exciting. 
While also boasting many increased skills such as leadership skills, strategic thinking skills, and increased hand-eye coordination, to name a few. According to the study, today's gamers are also well-rounded human beings, as they have many other interests besides gaming, including fitness. In three countries, contrary to the stereotype that gamers are overweight, more than 40% of gamers reported that they are likely to exercise. Finally, more than 40%. Finally, in, t- in contrast to the negative stereotype that gamers are loners, today's gamer has proven to be, quote, good at, so- at self-sacrifice while being unlikely to skip social commitments such as birthday parties and sporting events. That one I missed out on. If one looks at the increasing globalization of gaming and the demographics of the gaming community today, where both men and women, um, as well as people of different ethnicities, enjoy gaming, it is not surprising that gaming has become more inclusive activity. The video game industry has certainly come a long way, and it is hopeful to see the gamers being recognized for their positive attributes and that negative stereotypes are fading away. Uh, pretty awesome stuff. Hey, player, what's going on in the mixer chat? What's going on, man? Um, but this is awesome to hear that that we're finally actually making some headway here, and that the it's not that gamers themselves are changing. I think this is more so that more and more people are playing games and branching out and trying new things. Uh, because you know, I used to be the stereotype, and you know, I used to not really go anywhere in high school. I used to just kind of hang out in my room and do and play video games and stuff like that. And I was the overweight guy. I was the antisocial guy. I was that. Uh, but as time goes on, I've changed, and more people have branched out, and the gaming community has grown. So I think it's more so that the society is impacting the gaming population, while the gaming population is also impacting the society, and it's all kind of becoming this new kind of this new kind of setup. And it's actually a really cool thing to see. I must admit. Uh, so, uh, I'm very excited to see what the future holds for the gaming community. I think it's going to be very cool uh, to see where gaming becomes more of so something that is, that is you know, uh, ingrained into society, especially with the advent of mobile phones, stuff like the Razer phone, stuff like that, uh, where you have a genuinely awesome gaming experience on the go. I think that's going to be a big game changer. Uh, and when you have games like League of Legends that branch out to pretty much everybody, when you have games uh, like, uh, like, uh, like Hearthstone, like Slay the Spire is one that comes to mind that's pretty accessible. Um, you know, it's tons of stuff from World of Warcraft all the way down to mobile version of Fortnite. You've got everything in between uh, that people can experience and all of that good stuff. Uh, but I'm incredibly excited to see what the future of the gaming world does hold. I think it's going to be a pretty awesome one to see and uh, and something that is going to be fun to experience and live alongside of. But uh, but yeah, so that's a uh, you know that's a study that I thought would uh, would go well here on an episode of Caffeinate. But um, again, you know, it is conducted by Alienware and Dell Gaming, so that's kind of like you know a, uh, a an, an obesity study conducted by Hershey. I don't know. It's just one of those things where I don't necessarily believe everything that I'm told, but I like to believe this one because this one is awesome and uh, and something that could definitely benefit the gaming community as a whole. So that's exciting stuff and I would love to see that but um but yeah let me know what you guys think about that entire situation I I don't know what to believe anymore man I don't know what to believe anymore but I want to believe that that is for dang sure because I do not want to be this individual right here or at least I don't want to be that again uh, but moving on to the final story of the morning, someone bought one Sega Game Gear game in quarter one 2018. The first quarter of 2018 saw a copy of Sonic the Hedgehog 2 for the Sega Game Gear sell at full retail. Matt Piscatella, who works for the MPD Group, has accessed the detailed sales reports from retailers and noticed that one copy of the game has been sold in March of 2018. 
Uh, while this could be a mistake, Piscatella's credentials are clear to see, and his regular access to highly detailed information certainly means he is more than capable of spotting false data. That being said, this is very much a mystery, with Mag currently being able to offer no explanation as to how this might have happened. The game, which first released in 1992, must have been sold as new by the retailer in question because consignment stores do not provide point-of-sale at, uh, data. As well, the, con- uh, the data was transmitted to Mag via the electronic data interchange, something that is not done by second-hand retailers. At this point, the circumstances of the sale are unclear, but analyst has stated that he will continue to make the inquiries to find out how this might have happened 21 years after the console was discontinued by Sega. The console itself uh, sold reasonably well, a total of 10.62 million units, but it was largely largely forced out of the market by the Game Boy, which managed to ship a monstrous 118.69 million units uh, in its various forms. My God. Uh, There are a variety of theories as to why this strange event might have occurred, but I agree with this next one. Uh, chief among these is the idea that this item may have been sold via a Toys R Us store. Following the announcement that all branches of the chain were to go into liquidation, liquidation sales mean that literally every item contained within the store will be put on the shelves. This is like literally where they are selling the shelves themselves. Like they literally get rid of everything, even if it has been sitting in the back of the room uh, for more than two decades. As of now, Piscatella has yet to find out how it may have happened, but he has promised updates when he gets them. So stay tuned to find out uh, how this modern day mystery gets a thrilling conclusion. So. Uh, that's pretty much what we've got going on here. I think that whenever it comes down to it, it was in the back of a Toys R Us. I think that there was one copy of Sonic the Hedgehog 2 that was brand new in the packaging in the back of a Toys R Us somewhere. And to be honest, I don't know what kind of money that would go for. I don't know what you would sell that at. Uh, I don't know what the price on that would have been, but let's assume that it's collectible. Let's assume that it's been in pretty good condition over the course of the past, you know, two decades or whatever, I'm sure that a collector would probably go in on that. So, um, you know, hilarious story. One of those weird little quirky gaming industry stories that I love to hear about. But, um, you know, I guess we will see more uh, whenever Matt gets back to us and tells us how exactly this happened. But I would love to hear the conclusion. I think that it's fantastic whenever we have these kind of things happen because it brings back memories of a simpler time. You know, it brings back these, these like, oh my God, this happened. It's just a fun little story to have. So, um, I thought that I would conclude the morning with that, but uh, yeah. So uh, going back to the uh, going back to the study thing that we were talking about, where gamers are more social. Obesity study by McDonald's, exactly. Yeah, it just doesn't work out like that. But um. I hope you guys have enjoyed today's episode of Caffeinate. That'll wrap it up. Like I said, a bit of a shorter one this morning, but if you enjoyed this episode and you're listening on Anchor.fm or podcast services, by all means, leave me a rating, leave me some applause, whatever you may be doing. Uh, If you are watching on a VOD via YouTube, thank you for checking it out. There is more content just like this every single weekday morning right here at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. I would love to see you there. On top of that, you can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thesamueladams. If you want this show on Twitch, twitch.tv slash caffeinate TV. I've got a lot of stuff going on, so you can just follow me on Twitter at Pretty Chill Guy if you want to keep up to date with everything that I've got coming down the pipe. But I appreciate you guys being here. You are all fantastic people, and I will talk to you tomorrow morning. Actually, I will talk to you later on tonight, but as far as this show goes, tomorrow morning. Love you very much. Have a good one. Enjoy your Monday, and I will talk to you soon. Peace. <laughs>